welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. people need when they're walking through the woods, when they're hiking, when they're camping, when they're trying to get to a desired destination is to have a compass with them. Now here's what a compass does. A compass has a magnetic free needle, free floating needle that points in the direction of magnetic north. compass will point towards magnetic north, but that's not always the same as true north. Matter of fact, there's a term for the difference between true north and where a compass's magnetic needle is pointing. It's called declination. And what this means is the further you get away from the magnetic north pole, the more degrees that that needle will be off from really true north. Now that doesn't sound like a big thing, but it really is a big thing. Here's what I mean. If it's only one degree off, can you imagine you're going to your destination and you don't get there because you were following magnetic north, not true north? thing is in this world we've tried to give this declination a fancy term we've tried to call it moral relativism what that means is it's saying it doesn't matter how far you're off if you're off from what is really true north morally with what is right it doesn't matter if you're over here because it's relative you can just move it it's it's a magnetic north it's a moral relativism that just moves around but my question is will that get you to your desired goal The Bible says in Proverbs 16:25, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I think that's really talking about magnetic north. And here's my question for you. Do you really have a way to go? Are you trusting in magnetic north or true north? Do you have something that really is guiding you the right way in life? 
And I think the Bible has a lot to say about what really is true north. All right, go ahead, take your glasses off and give our video team a hand clap for their work on that. Yeah, good job, guys. So we just started out. We're going to get a little edgier next week. And uh, keep your glasses, by the way. You can use that at home or in the office. We'll post it in 3D, and it'll look really cool on your monitor. Some of you had better sight lines this way or that way, but it's all good. And uh, glad we could do that, talking about True North. And uh, in this series, we are going to have a declaration on declination. I want you all to say that with me, all right? We're going to have a declaration on declination. Some of you feel a lot smarter already because you learned the word declination. Like, ooh, I learned something. And uh, I got to tell you, I didn't, uh, I didn't know how to pronounce this word uh, exactly when we went on the trip. We're going up to the Gunflint Trail, and that was Honeymoon Bluff up there, a beautiful view, and uh, didn't know how to pronounce the word, and as we were getting ready to do the shoot, I saw a forest ranger. So I go to the forest ranger, and I said, hey, hey, what's the difference between like true north and magnetic north? Because magnetic north is moving all the time. What's the difference when you're off? He goes, oh, declination. I'm like, yeah, declination. And he's like thinking, I've never got that response from declination, you know. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, tell me about declination. And, and he said, well, here's the deal. When you're in Minnesota, uh, you're just one degree off, you know, uh, of declination. Maybe two, but he goes, you're one. And he goes, you maybe get to Louisiana, you're five degrees off. And as he's saying this, I'm kind of getting a sermon illustration in my mind. So I'm getting really excited. So he's telling me more. Now, if you're in New Zealand, you're 20 degrees off in declination. And by this time, I'm really excited because I've got something. And he's ready to tell me more about it. I'm like, that's all we need, Smokey the Bear. Move along. All right. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We got it. Now, here's, here's the thing that I was thinking about, though. We are uh, in Minnesota. We're Midwesterners. We got good values. And we pride ourselves on that. We think, you know what, we're pretty good moral people. You know, we're not like, you know, uh, California or New York. I mean, if, if we're one degree off in declination, they're like 10 degrees off in declination. They are really bad. And if you get to Vegas, they're like 30 degrees off in declination. You know, what happens in Vegas stays in its declination or abomination or something like that. But... You know, so we pride ourselves on, you know, we're just, we're just really good. We're, you know, we're so good. We're heartland of America. We're good people. And we get to a sermon like this, we think, we don't really even need this one that much. Because, you know, if this is really the standard, we're so close to the standard, we're pretty good people. Well, I want to tell you this, no matter what, even if you are at 25 degrees of declination, and you are way off from whatever God's standard is, you need the grace of Jesus Christ to cover that declination. If you are one degree off, you still have fallen short and you will not reach your desired goal and you still need the grace of Jesus Christ to cover your declination. The degree that you've drifted off from the truth that he wants you to live in, you need grace to cover it. And it'd be terrible to be a good, pretty moral person with only one degree of declination. You're so close. You really didn't do the biggies, but you stayed so close. But it'd be terrible to get to judgment day. It'd be terrible to get to Judgment Day and God say, you were so close, but you missed it. And I just have this picture. Imagine people that are living an immoral life, totally immoral. They're a long way off of God's standard. 
They get to judgment day and God says, you've fallen short. They go, I know I've fallen short. I lost by a big amount. I lost. But imagine the people that are going to just lose out by a little bit. They're going to think, but I was trying so hard. I was so close. And he said, you don't understand. You fell short. You needed grace. I think it's going to hurt worse for those people. I think the people that are a long way off, when you lose out by a long way, let me illustrate this, when you lose out by like Timberwolf proportion, you know what I mean? Like you just get slaughtered, you know? I mean, by halftime, you're just wondering what's for dinner tonight. I mean, it's over, right? You don't even care that you lost. You go hug the other team, I'll see you later, you know? But when you lose by one, how many know when you lose by one, you're like, oh, one basket, one foul that we shouldn't have had called, one call our way, one, we were so close. So this really is a sermon that fits good Heartland people. This is a sermon that fits people that think they're so close, but still you need to realize you need the grace of Jesus Christ to cover up that declination to make the way for you. Now for our series in True North, True North is going to represent the way that God wants us to go, His unchanging morals, character, His holiness. It's not changing. But Magnetic North, like we said, Magnetic North actually moves. It actually moves in, on our earth. And Magnetic North for this series will represent that we want to go our own way, that we say that our morals, our values are okay, and that we're really going north when we're not going north. That's what it's going to represent. Some of us have lived that way, and that's what that scripture says. Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. It seems right. You thought you were going the right way. You convinced yourself that you were really going the right way, but you weren't. You were really going the wrong way. And I want to say this. I believe there's lots of people that think they're going the right way. They feel that they just, they're going this way, and they're saying it seems right, so I'm going to say that this is right. I'm a good person. They've come in way, they're coming way short of what God says. Now, there's a lot of declination in our society. Even if we say we're heartland of America, we're good Midwesterners, we're good. Let me just tell you this, that they've done survey after survey of our morals, and our morals are just falling apart. And I got to say this, that even as I read some of these uh, stats and stuff, I kind of feel like the old time preacher, like, this younger generation is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, I, mean, I kind of feel like that, but uh, some truth to it. There's some truth to this. Used to be people would say this was the way we should go, and now they're doing this. 60% of the people that were surveyed said it's okay to live with someone if you're not married. It's okay. 59% said it's okay for sexual fantasies. It's not even wrong. It doesn't even matter. 45% say abortion's perfectly fine. It's not even morally wrong. It's not even just a choice. It's not wrong. 42% of our society says adultery is perfectly fine. It doesn't matter anymore. That's old-fashioned. 38% say pornography is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You should be able to view that. Now, the sad thing is, a survey was done recently of those under 25, the next generation coming up, and it's saying that they are making their parents look like saints. Now, if you realize who their parents are, that's the baby boomers. And the baby boomers were part of the free love society, question authority, challenge it. Uh, drugs really started to become uh, pervasive in our society. So if they're making their parents look like saints, we're in trouble. So compared to their parents, they are nine times more likely to have sex outside of marriage. Now think about it. Their parents were free love. They're nine times more likely. They're six times more likely to have lied than their parents. They're three times more likely to get drunk than their parents. And they're twice as more likely to view pornography than their parents. 
It's a sad thing. We're witnessing as a society just a rewriting of values where you can be heading south and still call it north, where it's okay. Nobody's opposed to it. Nobody's saying, you know what, there's a way. We need to walk in this way. We need to be right. We need to follow the path, and it's time to say we need to. Now, recently I was reading an article from a paper in England, and this paper in England was talking about how bad their society's getting. And it's interesting that we follow a lot of what Europe's doing. And they were writing about all the riots and the uh, people that were lighting things on fire recently and the younger generation was going out to the streets. And this guy writes this, and I want to read some of it to you, even though it's a little lengthy. It just, it felt like a sermon from a writer of a newspaper. He says, Yet in our secular age, an age in which tragically the Church of England appears to do little more than wring its hands as congregational numbers plummet, this moral bedrock is being steadily eroded. Today we live in a society where religion is something for which apologies must be made. A Christian woman working for British Airways who wears a cross around her neck is asked to remove it for fear of offending other people. A nurse who prays of the patient in a hospital is committing an almost criminal act. Catholic adoption agencies, which disapprove of gay adoptive parents on religious grounds, have their licenses taken away. And all the while, our governing classes and academics and teachers chip away at the fundamental truths of the great religions. Truths that have stood the test of time for thousands of years. In their arrogant certainty that there are no moral absolutes, and that the human race can make up the rules as it goes along. This thinking of these so-called intellectuals is compounded by a sordid celebrity culture which holds up role models who should be despised rather than admired. Amy Winehouse, a pathetic drug-infused alcoholic girl of very modest talent, is held up as a great diva, and when she died, her house was surrounded by fans laying empty vodka bottles as a tribute. Fornicating athletes who swagger through public lives, dripping with gold and jewelry, parading the vulgar acquisitions of their vast wealth, whether it's a fleet of fast cars or call girls, are venerated by generations who have never so much as heard of the very real heroes of history. In the absence of a moral law, we see a decline in the standards in all walks of life. Bankers continue to fill their pockets even after they brought the country to the brink of bankruptcy. Politicians fiddle expenses and see no reason to resign when they've committed wrongdoings. Town hall fat cats pay themselves ever greater salaries as Britain slips further into debt. I was reading that and the whole time I was almost thinking I was listening to a sermon saying, preach it. It's true. And what's going on there is going on here. We have a way that seems right, but the Bible is very clear that that declination will lead to death. That degree that we veer up, it seems right, and we live in a culture that loves it because, first of all, we just love to be happy. Cheryl Crow said it in her song. She said, if it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. But then she said, if it makes you happy, why do you feel so sad? Because that declination, we are following it, and we're going over here, and we're saying, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy, but I feel sad inside. So I've got to convince myself that there isn't a true moral standard, that there isn't absolute truth, there isn't a right and wrong. I can move the needle wherever I want to move it because I feel bad. And when I feel bad, I feel guilt. I don't like guilt. Most people in our society don't like guilt. 
And that's why we said it's moral relativism. If you're in this situation, it's okay. If you're doing that, then it's okay. You can point the needle wherever you want. That's wrong. Know that guilt is good for your soul? It is. Guilt is in many ways like a pain is, physical pain to your body. It says, don't do that. You're doing the wrong thing. And when you feel that guilt tinge, it's the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. You're doing the wrong thing. That's what the Bible says in John 14, verses 7 and 8. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, says this, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. He's there saying there is a magnetic north that you're following that's over here, and there's a true north. There's a way to go. There's a standard. And that guilt feeling that people feel is saying it's a way that seems right, but it's leading to death. Now, we live in a society that says all cultures are equal. And please don't misunderstand me. We're feeling very patriotic today. I'm not saying that America's culture is the culture that we want around the world. Trust me, there's declination in America's culture. But not all cultures are equal. Some cultures have two degrees of declination. Some have 10. Some have 15, 20, 50. Okay? And we are taught that if they want to do this, that's fine. And if they want to do that, that's fine. But deep inside of us, we know that that can't be right. Because when I share with you what one culture is doing today, something in you is going to say that's wrong. Because you know there's a true north. And here's what's going on right now in Ethiopia. Right now in Ethiopia, there is a tribe that's been isolated from the world. And this tribe has just been discovered. And here's a practice that they're doing right now today that people are trying to stop. When their children are born, they watch to see which teeth come in first. Do the bottom teeth come in first or the top teeth? If the top teeth come in before the bottom teeth, heaven forbid, because that child is seen as being demon-possessed. And the parents then take that child to the river and throw that child in the river and kill the child. Now, you can't tell me that all cultures are equal, even though that's what we teach. I can't judge you. You can't judge me. I'm telling you what, there's something within us that says there is a true north. There is right and wrong. And there's something within us that just goes, not to a little baby. Not to a little baby. And that declination is there. But we are taught it's all equal, it's all equal, and so we just are able to point the needle wherever we want. We point the needle wherever we want because we say, we love our freedom. I'm free to be me. You're free to be you. I'm free. You're free. Let's all be free. But let's just take this for a minute. Let's just say you and I are at a Vikings-Packers game. One of the fans gets out of hand, probably the Packer fan. And the Packer fan that is out of control in their freedom to do whatever they want is upset because the Vikings scored a miraculous touchdown. (laughs) And so they take their beer and pour it on Grandma Viking sitting right in front of them because they're angry. But in their freedom, they say, I'm free to do whatever I want. But we say, no, 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 there's something within us that says that isn't right. Your needle may point over here, but there's something wrong about that. And in your freedom... We start to say things that make us think that there really is a true north because we say, you're free to do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt others because there must be a value and a moral system. But yet we say, I'm free to be me, I'm free to be me, and we're wrong about that. And we value tolerance as a society, don't we? 
We value tolerance. We say, you know, let them do their thing, let them do their thing, and, and let's all be tolerant. Let's just, everybody gets to do whatever they want. Nobody's wrong. If they want their needle pointing that way, that's right for them. And if their needle's pointing there, and if you're, but how many know that the people that preach tolerant are not tolerant of people that say there's a true north? You say, well, there are values, there are morals that are saying, hey, 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 you got to be tolerant. And then you say, well, I'm just expressing my view. You can have your view. This is my view. Well, you got to believe my view. I'm going to be tolerant of everybody except you. <laughs> kind of interesting, isn't it? When Connor was in school, our oldest son, he had a differing opinion on a social issue. And he said to his teacher, I, I think it's this way. And the teacher said, class, how many of you can tell Connor why he's wrong? Who can tell Connor why he's wrong? Tolerant of everything unless it disagrees with what you have. So we know within us that there's got to be a true north. There's got to be something because there's something that's just saying this isn't, isn't it. And let me just say this. When we know that there's a true north, when we know that there's a right way to go, I want to be very clear about this church. Be very clear we know there's a right way to go. We know that people are doing whatever feels good to them, their freedoms and all this. We cannot leave here and go, we have the truth. There's a true north, and you're all going to hell. We're coming at you in 3D. I mean, you can't do that, all right? You can't do that. can't do that, all right? What we've got to do is we've got to go out and share the hard truth with soft love. We've got to share it in love. We've got to wrap it in love. We cannot be combative. We've got to be people that will share it in love because we know within us that there's a true north, there's something, there's a moral standard, there's a code because of our conscience. Our conscience says to us there's something about it, that guilt that says there's a right way. But how many know that we can sear our conscience? It's just part of the process that God uses to get us back to true north. But you can sear your conscience. You can dry it up. You can make it of no use. Matter of fact, the prophet Jeremiah, he said, these people are so bad, they have forgotten how to blush. He said, they're that bad. They don't even blush anymore. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.19, it says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So it's possible to say, well, my conscience feels good. You might have seared it, but it's only a part of the process that says there's a true north. Another thing is our traditions. Our traditions tell us that there has to be a true north. We say, well, we're smarter in this Western uh, culture, college educated, in our scope with today, we're smarter than the traditions that have stood the test of time. Now, I'll tell you this, and I challenge you that with this. Show me a society that has survived, that has allowed people to point wherever they want morally, and they survive. They don't survive. There is a true north. And when we start going magnetic north, wherever we want it to be, that society crumbles. So there's something that teaches us from history. There has to be a true north. And I'm telling you what, what I hold in my hand is the compass and guide that you need. It's right here. It's the Bible. It is God's word. We believe that. And this will lead you into the truth that you need to find. It will talk to you. It will tell you about God. It will convict you of things. And when you read it, how many won't know when you read it, it just has a way of saying, you need to move in line with the truth. This is part of true north. It's part of what God gives to you. So he says, here's the way you should go. Here's the way you should walk. Walk in it. This is it right here. And let me tell you this. Jesus said this. He claimed to be true north. He did. 
In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right there, he said, I'm it. I'm it. I'm true north. I'm the way. If you want to know the way to go, I'm the way to go. And I'll tell you the amazing thing about it. Jesus says, I realize you may be one degree off, five degrees, 10, 20. You may be however many degrees off. There may be all this declination going on. But Jesus says, I will give you grace. You are living a magnetic north life. And let's be honest, all of us are. All of us are. But he says, my grace will make up the difference of the declination, and I will put you on true north. And Jesus offers forgiveness. Now, if there is no true north, if there is no moral right or wrong, and this is very critical, then really, as we live our life, we could point our needle wherever we want, and we don't need to repent and say we're sorry. Because Jesus asks us to repent, because we realize we're going the wrong way, and there is a right way. So part of this, he says, I'll give you grace when you repent and you turn from your ways and admit that you're wrong and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give an opportunity for people to do that. You're going to be able to say, I know I was going this way, but I repent and I'm sorry. But if there is not a moral standard, then you don't need to repent. And if you don't need to repent, then you don't need salvation. And if you don't need salvation, then you don't need Jesus. And churches really then only need to preach like a little pacifier Jesus because he can just help you feel good right now because you're really okay because everybody gets to do whatever they want. But Jesus says there is a way, and he said he's the way. Other religions aren't the way. He said, I am the way. And he said, I will make up for the declination in your life. In just a moment, like I said, I'm going to give an opportunity for that, but one last thing. If you have received grace and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, He is saying you may have been saved with 15 degrees of declination in your life. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. You say, well, grace covers that declination. Jesus says, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving closer. Keep moving closer to me. Be more like me. You're right. You'll never be perfect. But I want you to keep following me and be holy as I'm holy. And he's saying, keep moving in that direction. And some of you have lived in this grace and you've just decided, well, that's my declination. That's my problem. That's my sin. Jesus is saying it's time for you to move closer. But right now, in the last minute that I have, could we just take a moment for those that have never made this decision. You realize I've been doing my own thing. I've pointed the needle wherever I want. And right now the Holy Spirit has convicted you. There's been that guilt. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And the Holy Spirit's saying it's wrong. You need to get it right. You need to get that grace to cover your sins. Could you just bow your heads with me all across this place? Close your eyes for just a moment. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask those that want to be included in a closing prayer to raise their hands and look up at me. Once I acknowledge your hand, you can put it down. And I will lead you then after that, after all, raise their hand in a prayer of forgiveness. Because you're saying, I realize I have this declination. I was way over here, but I was trusting in myself. And now, Jesus, will your grace make up the difference? And so if that's you and you're saying, I ask for forgiveness, I want in on this. Pastor Rob, I want in, include me in this closing prayer all across this place. If that's you, would you raise your hand and look up at me so I can acknowledge it? Yes, I see your hand. Are there others? Yes, yes. Hands going up all over the place. I see them in this side at my right, your left. That far section, hands everywhere. Hands all over and right in the front, there in the middle. A pair of you right there, wonderful. Right here, yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand in your hand. Yes, I see your hands in the front, right up here. Yes, 
way in the back, a whole bunch, way in the back. I see your hand waving at me. And in the back, there's three like in a row. See that? Another one right there. Yes. Yes. Are there others? You're saying, this is my moment. Yes. I come into agreement with you. This is your moment. This is your moment. Back by the sound booth. Yes. I see you. Straight on. Yes. Yes. I see your hand. Others. Yes. In the back there. I see you. Yes. This is the moment. Others that have already asked for grace and have realized that his grace has covered their declination. Right now, they're praying for you and they're praying for those that are in the moment of decision and they're praying that you'll have the courage to say, I need you, Jesus. This is real. And, and, and you're probably weighing it in your heart. You're thinking, if I do this, does that mean I'm gonna have to give up some things? You know the Holy Spirit's saying that's declination and you need to move closer to Jesus. But I promise you, whatever you give up is worth it. It, the Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You may say, I want to pursue these things that make me feel happy. But the Bible says, God has come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I'm telling you what, following Jesus is the greatest thing you could ever do. So if there are those still in the valley of decision, just making the decision right now, you've been thinking about it and you want in, this is the last time I'll look across. And if that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, way in the back. I come into agreement. I come into agreement. Yes, 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 yes. This is the last moment. Yes, 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 yes. This is what it's all about. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And I want to pray this prayer. And I want all those around you to pray this out loud with you as a form of encouragement. And we're going to pray this. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ made the way for you to be forgiven. He gave you that grace. And because he died on the cross and rose again, he gave you the grace to be forgiven. And the Bible says, if you'll repent of that and say this prayer, the Bible says you'll be forgiven. So I want to pray and I want you to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I have lived a life of declination and I am turning to you. I need grace. I receive that grace in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the price you paid by dying on the cross and coming back from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. And I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life, becoming closer to you and living more like you in Jesus' name. So God, I thank you for those that have said that very simple prayer. It's a very simple prayer, but yet it was powerful because they no longer trusted in their own works, but they trust in the grace that covers the life that they've lived that has gone a different direction. And so I thank you for that. I pray that they would feel the peace of God. They would know that they are forgiven, that they are right with you, and that your grace has covered the things that they've done wrong. They can now live in victory because of that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can we give a hand clap to all those that made that decision? Yes. So awesome. About 48 people raised their hand there, four dozen, over 100 for the weekend here. And I want to talk to the 48 that just did that, okay? I'm going to ask you to do two things. I will not embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you two things. I'll let you have a personal, private moment where you pray to prayer. But the two things I want you to do is, first of all, before you go to bed tonight, tell someone that you made the decision. Go public with it. It's very important. Tell a friendly person. 
Tell a Christian that you know. Tell somebody they came to church with. Tell an usher, a greeter, a pastor. Call, call that crazy relative that's a Christian that you thought was crazy. Now you're going to tell them, I'm crazy too, you know? And I'm in it. But tell somebody. Before you go to bed tonight, tell someone. Go public with it. And the second thing I tell you to do is get this little book. It's called Now What? It's just a, a free gift from us to you. And uh, it has a little note from me. And it tells you where to read in your Bible. If it's going to point you in true north, I want to help you so you don't kind of like go, where do I start? So I've got some places for you to start. And then it talks to you about uh, a life group that we've got called Now What? We figured all these people are making a decision to follow Jesus. Why not have a life group that you could go to that would meet once a week? You could go and learn about God. And so you could sign up for a life group. So it has a little direction on there. So I want you to get that from the prayer team members uh, or at the Welcome Center. Uh, I'll have a copy. You can get mine. Uh, but I'd love for you to get this so you can walk in your new life with Jesus Christ. All right? One last blessing. Let's stand all across the place, and I'll pray a prayer of blessing on us. Prayer team members, could you get ready? The prayer team members are coming to the front. They have these books, and then they will pray for whatever need you have. We're a big church, but they'll stay and pray for anyone, whether it was to respond to Jesus or maybe you came with a heavy burden, they would pray for you, all right? And then next week, we'll see you here with True North Part 2. Uh, if we're full, we'll just use the overflow room. We have an overflow room that seats 400, and they'll be able to use it. So bring a friend with you, get them here. It'll be 3D again for part of it. Let me pray a blessing on those that you've been slipping. You've been slipping. God's saying, move closer to me. And you've just been living in that declination. Let me just pray that God will use that conviction to move you closer to him. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for all of us. We thank you for those uh, 48 people that made their decision. How awesome that is that they are now followers of yours. And I thank you, Lord, for all of us here that are hearing this. We're here for a reason. We're here on purpose. Because in us, there is a tendency to decline. There is a tendency to move away and to stray. And we don't want to have that. We want to be close to you. So I pray a blessing upon your people that they would live in a true north life. They would not have this declination. And I pray you convict, Lord, of those that are walking away, that are messing around, that are playing a game. They were not called for that. They were called for a greater life. So I pray that they'd move closer to you in Jesus' name and be blessed. In your name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week serving the Lord. <laughs>